happy birthday. Did you know it's your birthday today? Yeah, it's your birthday. You're six years old. Six years old today, people. March 19th, 2017 was our... And then they got it. Oh, my word. Jeez. So, yeah, March 19, 2017, uh, we had our first official, what we call the hard launch of our church. We had what we call the soft launch before that, but about four weeks of the launch team meeting, which was our 34 people, 34 strong. And then that first Sunday, we had like 150 people here. Uh, some of our Fremont campus people came up, and they were also helping us serve, and um, we had people from the community coming, checking it out. We, some of those community people stayed. I don't know what that means, but uh, they're a little bit strange, maybe, that they stuck it out with us, but anyways. And then the cool thing is our Tiffin campus is going to three services today. So they've grown to the point that they're kind of getting crammed in their uh, auditorium down there. Um, so be praying for them, too. They've got a they're looking to do some building and helping with their children's area and all that kind of stuff. And so we thank the Lord for that. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, and so the church is the people. And so a church that Jesus is building is going to be meaning that there's going to be a building that has the church in it, because the church are the people, right? And that church, if they're focused on the gospel should continue to grow and see more people coming and more people coming and more people coming as we're seeing here, as we're seeing in Tiffin. And uh, the cool thing is that God wants to partner with us. He wants us involved in that. We get the opportunity to, to be working alongside of God to see people's lives transformed. And not just transformed, but transformed for an eternity. That the, those that are on the road... To hell, can have their sins forgiven, a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, have God in their life, as we'll talk about today, through God the Holy Spirit, and then um, when they die physically, to be able to spend eternity with God. And so um, we're excited about that. We're so glad to see our church continuing to grow and thankful uh, for that. Well, we're, uh, we're continuing, as I just said, that mission, right, that Jesus gave to his disciples. And we've been looking at that and John 13 through 16, is working our way through John. Um, we're taking these, these two weeks, last week and this week, and looking at this idea of being prepped for the mission. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's moved away from teaching uh, large crowds and doing miracles to focusing in on the uh, 11, because Judas is gone now, but he's focusing in on the 11, saying, hey, here's how you're going to have success in making sure that you bring the gospel to the entire world. That was the assignment that they were given. We've been given the assignment to take the gospel to our world, to those people in our lives who need him. So last week we looked at four essentials uh, that were in 13 and four, half of 14. And the, and the essentials were, according to Jesus, was to serve humbly. And so we're supposed to serve our church family. The focus is really initially on our other um, uh, believers, other followers of Christ, but then through that, God uses that to impact those who need Christ. But anyway, we're supposed to serve humbly. We're supposed to love sacrificially. So in other words, we're supposed to look out for other people's good. 
what their needs are, no matter what it might cost us, and I don't necessarily mean financially, though that might be the case, but it might cost us a rep, uh, our reputation, it may cost us a somebody, uh, it may cost us being made fun of, it may cost us who knows what, you know, but whatever it is, there may be a cost if we're going to do what's best for somebody else, no matter what it might cost us. Jesus, of course, is the greatest example of that. We're going to pray confidently, and we're going to respond obediently. We're going to do the things that Jesus said to do. Now, we, we, John also said he's writing this gospel so that you may know you have eternal life. And so he's given us, Jesus has given us, and John has given us what the gospel is, what it means to have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. But the other aspect of that is that you who say you have eternal life, you can evaluate your life against what Jesus is saying and kind of say, okay, is there evidence that I have that relationship with him? And so some of this is for us who are professing believers to say, okay, is there evidence in my life that I truly have that relationship with Christ, that eternal life? And so again, these four things, Jesus is saying that if you're a follower of mine, if you've placed your faith in Christ, these four things, there's other things too that we've talked about, but in these chapters, you're going to serve humbly. So if you're not serving, you've got to take that up with Jesus. You're going to love sacrificially. Well, if you're not loving to your hurt, caring for people to your hurt, you've got to Take it up with Jesus Christ. If, if you're not praying confidently, in other words, what it means there is that because you're wanting to see people come to Christ, you're going to pray for whatever it is you need, and God's going to answer it to you. That's what Jesus said. God's going to answer it for you because he wants people to come to Christ, which we're going to talk about today. And you're going to respond obediently. You're going to obey what Jesus says to do. And what Jesus says to do is not just in the gospel, but all through the New Testament, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Today... Which, by the way, we're going to fly this morning, okay? Because I've got like two or three messages all crammed into one. Um, and we've got a couple bathrooms we're going to remodel today. So I was already told by those guys, you need to get done because we need to get that done. And whatever. And happy birthday to you, whatever. But anyways, we've got two more essentials that Jesus brings up. 14, end of 14, 15, and 16. Right? We're not going to read all of it. We're going to pull some verses out to give us a general idea of what Jesus is talking about here. So the essential... Excuse me, get all emotional. The essential number five is that we understand the Holy Spirit's role. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. And then essential number six, uh, we need to abide in Christ. And so what does that mean? What does that look like? So what I want to do real quick here is I want to give you a summary of what Jesus says about what the role of the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, by the way, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? The Trinity. All three are God. They are one. And three, and it's a mind-blowing, we get that, okay, we can't, we can't understand it, but that's okay, because he's God, and we shouldn't understand it completely. But the Holy Spirit is not a force, it's not an it, it's a he, because he is a person. He has personality, he has the traits of personality, he is God, all right? So, here's what Jesus says in these two and a half chapters about the role of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to pick three out and look at them a little more closely. But first of all, he's given to believers by God forever. So in other words, you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you ask God to forgive you of your sins, God forgives you, forgive, yep, forgives you of your sins, then he adopts you into his family. And the way he does that, by giving you spiritual life, God the Holy Spirit, he says, dwells in you. Not that, you, not that we become God, all right, but that he indwells us. And we'll look at our, the fact that he's our helper has that idea. And so the Holy Spirit is in us. He is with us. And He gives us what we need to get through this life. And then He is the one, according to Scripture, who takes us, not angels, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of eternal life. 
You know, guys, listen, there's a lot of spiritual talk out there that is just not biblical, okay? This is just a little side note. This is free. Uh, angels don't take you to heaven. God's given us himself, God the Holy Spirit. When we get to heaven, we're not angels. Jesus didn't die for angels. Humans are in the image of God. So when we go to heaven, we are in the presence of God as humans, glorified, but as humans. Okay, so let's not downgrade ourselves to angels. Again, free advice. Anyways, uh, moving on quickly. He's our helper, and because I just offended a bunch of he's a he's our helper and comforter. Uh, he's the spirit of truth. And again, we know truth comes from Scripture. God's word is truth, right? And so it's going to direct us through here. He's, he's going to teach us truth. He'll teach, remind, guide the disciples. Again, this is what Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit's going to do. He'll testify about and glorify Jesus. He's to the disciples' advantage. Why? Because Jesus is leaving, and Jesus in the flesh, he could only be at one place at one time. Now, he could heal people from a distance, but he could only be at one place at one time where the Holy Spirit is spirit. He could be every place fully all at the same time. So he's here today. Why? Because there's a bunch of us in this room who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and God's Holy Spirit is with us. And so he's as, he is as fully here with us today, not because we invite him in, okay? not because this is God's house, because this is not God's house, this is God's house, we'll read about it today. And he's just as much here as he is in China, for instance. China. As, I, like how, I just like how Trump always says, China. And so, sorry. He's just as much here as he is there. Why? Because he's God. He's spirit. He is fully everywhere all at one time. Anyways, I'll move on. Now I just offended you guys because I brought up Trump or something. Anyways. And then lastly, he'll convict non-believers of their need for salvation. Now, there's a lot of wrong teaching today about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's role is in a Christian's life. And so we want to get back to what Jesus says is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives because that's what matters. Not what we might think. Not some cool ideas that we might come up with or somebody else comes up with. It sounds kind of spiritual and boy, it really sounds good for us. And the problem is people who are following down this track of, of having this emphasis on the Holy Spirit and looking at the Holy Spirit for things that are not true, is that it's causing them to not grow spiritually and not be healthy. And they're getting off track of what the mission is for what are we... Do you know that the reason why God keeps us here after he... We'll find this out next week in John 17. The reason why he doesn't take us out of the world once we come to Christ is because we have a mission. We have a responsibility. And that is to reach people for Jesus Christ. Now, I know there's a lot of Christians who don't believe that, but then they've got to take that up with Jesus because we're looking at what Jesus says, what we're supposed to be doing as followers of Jesus. So, we're going to break three of these things down. First one, the fact that he teaches and reminds and guides the disciples. This is what he says in John 14 and then John 16. But the helper, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, parakletos, that's the Greek word, one who comes alongside so you place your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, comes alongside of you. He is in your life, 24-7, 365, when you're asleep, when you're awake, you know, it's, it's awesome, he's there. So, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. But when he, again, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, 
For he'll not speak on his own initiative, so the Holy Spirit doesn't speak what he thinks he should speak. All right? But whatever he hears, from who? From God, the Father, and Jesus. He will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. And so his responsibility for the disciples is to teach them, to remind them, and to guide them into all truth. What he's talking about there is what they teach and what they've written down. So the rest of the New Testament. So the information that they're receiving from God is coming through God the Holy Spirit, and they're either teaching it or they're writing it down. This is how Peter talks about it. We're going to look at Peter, we're going to look at Paul. Mary is not part of it. Anyways, some of you will get that. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy, and in the New Testament, prophecy means teaching of truth. Old Testament prophecy is foretelling the truth, or foretelling the future. New Testament prophecy is teaching truth. So that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. So when I'm up here, I'm not coming to you saying, this is what I think it means. I'm, I'm mining out of it and understanding as best I can what God is saying, what Jesus is saying, what the Holy Spirit um, has given. So it's not a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke or wrote down from God. And then here's how Paul talks about Paul says, okay, listen, you know, back in Isaiah, that's why these words are caps, they're in the caps, they're Old Testament. He said, but just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So how do we get all that stuff? Well, for to us, God has revealed them, all those things, through the Spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And so, this brings up a, a, a very crucial point, especially in today, in how some people are understanding the Holy Spirit. The question is this, is this promise that the Holy Spirit will teach, remind, and guide the disciples, is that just a promise for them specifically, or is it a promise for all Christians? And so you have to ask that, you have to ask that question, you have to answer it biblically. Because there are some who are saying today that God's Spirit has given me a word for you. And then they'll, pro- they'll pronounce whatever that word is. It may or may not have anything to do with Scripture. And so the question is, does that person have the power from God the Holy Spirit, to have new scripture given or to have a word from God. And so we need to understand this. So this is referring to, so the answer to the question is, this is a specific promise to the disciples turned apostles. All right, now how do we know that? Because first of all, the apostles, which end up being 13, because you have the 11 now, Matthias comes in Acts chapter 1, you're like, how do you know that? I went to men's Bible study on Thursday night, and Professor Clark, who is taking us through Acts along with Greg, told me that, and it has to be true because Clark, he knows Scripture. He's also six foot seven, and so I, whatever he says, I go with. So, and then we have Paul. All right, and so these men were personally chosen and trained by Jesus, including Paul. And if you want to know how. Talk to me afterwards. There's an interesting theory coming out of Galatians where Paul was potentially trained by Jesus, but he, we know he was chosen by Jesus personally, right? The road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. If you're like, how do you learn that? We're going to be learning that in Acts and our study on Thursday nights for men. 
guys, feel free to show up. We have a good group um, in there. But anyways, so these 13 guys were personally chosen by Jesus and trained by Jesus. Okay? And so then they were told, you're going to have this responsibility of getting this information out to people. Secondly, Jesus made them the foundation of the church. This is what Paul puts in Ephesians 2. He says, so then you, speaking of non-Jewish believers, because in Ephesians he's talking to non-Jewish believers about how they are connected to Jewish believers, because there is some conflict going on uh, racially between the two. Um, Non-Jewish would be anybody who's not Jewish. Um, So you're no longer strangers and aliens to God, but our fellow citizens with the saints, or the in this context, Jewish believers. So we're all, we are all together part of God's household. All right? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, speaking of all the other believers after them, including you and me, being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. That's why this is not God's house. This is in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirits, or in the spirit. So after, not in the spirits, you know what I'm saying? In the spirit. So after the apostles and prophets, all other Christians are part of the spiritual building. So here's the point. Number one, for those who don't know, and some of you guys who do know anything about construction, you can only have one cornerstone on a building. On the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. And on the cornerstone of a building, that's how you get your building square and plumb. Plum being this, okay? And so that's, you set that down. You can't have three or four because you got one. Otherwise, because those might be messed up. So you got one. That's Jesus. What Jesus did and what Jesus taught. Then, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us that the foundation that's laid is the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. In the New Testament, they had people who go out and speak and so they weren't necessarily apostles, but they were prophets bringing God's word. And so on a building, you can only have one foundation. You don't have multiple foundations. You have one foundation for one building. doesn't make sense otherwise. And so they are the foundation. You can't have other people who are calling themselves apostles today somehow having word from God because it's already been given. There's this foundation that's been given. The rest of us are the building. We're, we're the good-looking part. You know, we're the two-by-fours and the drywall and the crown molding and the doors that I've been hanging in my house lately. And just, oh, my word, what a mess. Anyways, they, at least they swing. It's like, but they're swinging. Anybody wants to break in, they're going to have a hard time getting in. And then, secondly, no others in the New Testament were given this promise. So when you look in the Bible, there are promises and there are commands. Some of those promises and commands are specific. Some of those are what we call universal or uh, general for everybody. And so this one has not been given to anybody else. For instance, when Peter um, was writing, or when Paul was writing, when Paul was training Titus and um, Timothy and Epaphras and all these different guys, He never once, in his writings to them, said, hey, and by the way, you will be getting more information from the Holy Spirit. No, he said, teach what we have taught. And so even Timothy, the next guy in line, Titus, the next guy in line, were not given this whole idea of having revelation 
from God the Holy Spirit. And so it's specific to them. Why? Because it's never been given to anybody else. Now, a universal promise would be the Great Commission, because that great, the Great Commission to go out, to go and preach the gospel of baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that was also given to the disciples. What makes it different and universal is that the rest of the New Testament tells us all over and over that we need to do basically the same thing. Not necessarily the same words, but the same idea, that we need to be out there sharing the gospel with people, seeing people come to Christ. So what about today? Well, today... There are no New Testament styled apostles who are receiving word from God. And so if you hear somebody on YouTube, on TV, on where, you know, whatever, wherever you get your information from, if you hear a guy say, I've got a word, they always used to say it this way too, I've got a word for you, a word from God. It's called hacking, by the way. They're trained to talk that way. If you hear that, you take your controller and you go over to Hogan's Heroes or do something, you know, one of those good old shows and watch those. People are not receiving a word from God today. And if they say they are, they're saying, I have a vision. God is not giving visions today. This is dangerous, people. We've got people going down the wrong road because they're so focused on the Holy Spirit. And what he does. There's a movement within Christianity called the New Apostolic Reformation. You, you might not be familiar with the phrase because they don't really want that out there. But you've heard of maybe Bethel Church in Redding, California. You've heard of Bethel Music. Uh, you, you might have heard of International House of Prayer down in Kansas, which, the, you know, they, they showed it to IHOP. But you're from the West, you think restaurant, you know, because there's an IHOP. There's International House of Pancakes. Um, we used to go to all the time when we were in Colorado. Anyways, I hear that and I start salivating, <laughs> just like now. And uh, anyways, so you've got these people, uh, you know, Bill Johnson and the guys on his staff are either apostles or prophets. Uh, one of the guys has got a new Bible out, and it's called a Passion Translation, and it, they've taken Scripture and twisted it to make it so that they, what they teach um, is supposedly biblical, and it's not. Uh, you got other people who are influenced by this. You know, obviously Benny Hinn's been around for a while. Joyce Meyer's been around. Copeland's been around. It's really flowing out of the charismatic movement. Um, and, you know, so Beth Moore is moving in this direction. It's just, we just got these different people who are, what they're doing is, is that they're looking for, oh, I'll wait for that, because it, it hits the next point. So today, what is it today? Today, the Holy Spirit he teaches us, he reminds us, and he guides us into truth of the Bible. And so, if you want to know what God wants you to know, he's already given it to us, and it's in Scripture. And the Holy Spirit, his responsibility is to teach us from Scripture, not to give us anything new. All right, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Another issue that we want to look at real quick is, is the focus of the Holy Spirit. What, what is the Holy Spirit's responsibility? What's his role? Because a lot of people say, hey, I want I, the Holy Spirit. We, we pray and we invite the Holy Spirit into our, into our service. And then what, they, what they're expecting, what they're shooting for is that the Holy Spirit's going to move in a mysterious way. We don't know how the Spirit moves. He moves mysteriously. And then what they're looking for is this, this intense emotional spiritual response. In fact, some people begin to jerk um, 
and have almost like convulsions. Some people begin to, um, what they say, speak in tongues, which again is not found in Scripture. Some bark like a dog. Some laugh hilariously. And they're all saying, this is the movement of the Holy Spirit, and you can't keep the Spirit God in a box, because you don't know how the Spirit moves. Which is taking a verse from what Jesus said, when Jesus was talking about how does the Spirit actually save people, it's mysterious how, how He brings people to the point of salvation. He does a bunch of different ways and different ways, but it brings them to Christ for salvation. So here's what, here's what Jesus said the role of the Holy Spirit is. And we've read some of these, but we're going to read them again. When a helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth. So we want truth, right? We want to worship in spirit and truth. Jesus said John 4. So we want a Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, just like God, or Jesus did. Which in other words, he's God. He will what? He will testify or witness about me, which, by the way, you will testify also, disciples, generally now. That's what our responsibility is too, because you have been with me from the beginning. And then John 16 says, but when, it's, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he keeps calling him the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. Again, we've read this. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, again from God or Jesus, he will speak, and he will disclose it to you what is to come. Why? Because of his role in the mission. He will glorify me. In other words, he will point people to Jesus. He will reveal who Jesus is. For he will take of mine, what Jesus wants taught, and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. It's an interesting thing, but we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. God is one, yet has revealed himself in three persons. And it's interesting, as you study through Scripture, those three persons have different roles. God the Father sent, God the Son came, and God the Holy Spirit indwells. Jesus Christ was the one, God the Son, who's the one who died on the cross. Not God the Father, not God the Holy Spirit, but Jesus, God the Son, did. And yet all three joined together to raise him from the dead. He raised himself from the dead. You know. Again, blow your mind concepts here, but the point is, they have different roles in the whole mission of salvation. And so people will be, and so here's how it plays out in our lives, just real quickly. We are in the image of God. And God created man and woman. And he said, hey, you two, man, man and woman, you marry together. And you know what? The Bible teaches clear roles. Role for the man and a role for the woman. They're different. They're equal. Just like in the Trinity, equal, different roles to accomplish the same purpose. In the church, there are roles for men and there are roles for women. Why? Because there's roles in the Trinity, equal but different. I'll move on. So, the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to testify and to glorify about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's role and responsibility is to point people to Jesus, ultimately for salvation. And by the way, that's what our responsibility is. We, we, don't, we don't negate the Holy Spirit because He's important, but we don't focus on the Holy Spirit as, a, as a, um, wanting Him to do stuff for us in our worship. It's supposed to help us to focus on Jesus, not me to get something out of worship. 
but for me to give something in worship to Jesus Christ. And so he testifies. It means to be a witness. And so he's going to be a witness about Jesus. He's going to confirm who Jesus is. He's going to confirm Jesus' message. Paul tells us that in Romans um, 8, that he will confirm our salvation. He's, he's one who confirms. His, his job is to glorify. And that word means to reveal more about who Jesus is. So now we are having the glory of the Holy Spirit. We're learning more about who the Holy Spirit is by what he's supposed to do. And what he's supposed to do is to reveal who Jesus is, to point people to Jesus, to shine a light on Jesus. Our worship needs to be of Jesus. And again, this false teaching is, is the Holy Spirit's mysterious and we want him to move and we want, we want him to give us some sort of emotional jolt in the spiritual. And, and that's not the focus of worship. You and I are not the focus of worship. Our heart directed towards God and what that looks like is worship. Some of you like to put your hands up and worship God. Put your hands up and worship God. Some of you don't. Don't. Because that doesn't matter. Your heart matters. They say we can't put God in a box. God puts himself in a box, if you want to put it that way. Because there are roles within the Trinity. And the role of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus Christ. Which is the last one we're going to look at real quick. So his job is to convict non-believers. So it says, then he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict. He'll cause people to recognize things, wrongdoing specifically. He will convict the world, non-believers, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in him. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no, you no longer see me. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged. And so his responsibility, and this is awesome, this is, should be a huge encouragement for you and me. His role and responsibility is to help people in your life and in my life who don't know Christ to, to understand, to be convicted that they need Jesus Christ. He's going to convict them of sin, the thing that's separating them from a relationship with God the Father. He's going to convict them of righteousness. Why is it his job? Because Jesus is gone. Jesus is in heaven when the Holy Spirit comes. That's the whole point of him coming. And he's also going to be talking about judgment. One, say, hey, listen, Satan's judged. It's as if he's already in the lake of fire. That's how useless he is and how no power in, his, in your life if you turn your life to Christ. And therefore, he doesn't have any power in your life. But the other side of it is, if you don't do that, there's a warning here that this is a, that as he's judged, so will those who don't turn to Christ for their salvation, the, the opportunity. And isn't it good to know that God the Holy Spirit has your back? So our responsibility is to share the message, is to give the gospel, is to love people, win the opportunity to share the gospel, and then we share the gospel, and then that's what we do. We just leave it there. We don't open their mouth and shove the Bible down. We don't hit them in the knees until they you know, give up. No, we share the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do the work of convicting and understanding. We don't save anyone. The Holy Spirit convicts them and then they turn to Christ. God saves them by forgiving their sins based on what Jesus did and then adopts them into his family through God the Holy Spirit. Different roles. Same God. This is what Jesus is talking about in John 15. And the fruit. 
So the goal of the mission is to produce as much fruit as God desires. That's our goal. If you think Christianity is anything other than that, you have a different mission. That's the mission that God's given us. Okay? And so we are to see people. Now, we know that we do that. We're going to grow spiritually because the rest of Scripture tells us that. So how do we make sure that we are successful? Jesus says this in John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. God is the owner and farmer. Different roles. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Remember what we said at the beginning. Not only does John give us what we need to receive to have eternal life, John also gives us what's the evidence that we have received eternal life. And here's what he says. Every branch in me, Jesus says, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it, be, uh, it may bear more fruit. You, talking to the disciples, are already clean. They've been pruned because of the word, Jesus' teaching, which we have today in the Bible, which I have spoken to you. Abide, in other words, have this unbroken connection in me, and I in you, which Jesus is abiding in us through salvation. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. You can't produce spiritually. Now, specifically in context, he's talking about seeing people come to Christ. All right. Now, we know the Bible teaches about spiritual fruit in a person's individual life, but that's in Galatians and other parts. This here, specifically, is talking about seeing people come to Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches. He says it again. He who abides in me and I abide in him, he... The one biting Christ bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Again, he repeats himself. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words, let me back up. The word if there could actually be sins. Okay, maybe I should have clarified that at the beginning. I apologize. But if or since you abide in me and my words, speaking of the Bible, this is going to answer a question that we're going to ask later. The Bible, abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Oh, answered prayer. We love answered prayer, right? God, why did you pray? And why did you answer my prayer? God's up there. Why don't you pray the way I want you to? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, moving on. My Father is glorified by this. By what? That you bear much fruit. You want to glorify God? Start talking to your friends and family and co-workers, people who need Jesus Christ. That will glorify God. And so prove evidence that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Prove to me, my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love. Just as, so is he asking us to do something he's not already doing? No. He's asking us to do exactly what he's doing, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done and demonstrated. These things I have spoken to you, here's a great promise, so you may that my joy, wouldn't you love to have joy in your life? That confidence that everything's good to go, no matter what's going on in your life? Well, these things I've spoken to you, so you may, they might have my joy in you, and that your joy may be full. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you. Why? That you would go 
and bear fruit, that your fruit will remain. So that whatever you ask, as I promise again, so you may ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And so we have this illustration of this vineyard. And what Jesus is saying here, that um, if we want to have success in this mission, we need to abide in Christ. And so we look at this, uh, the vine is Jesus, all right? He's the source of spiritual life. We've talked about that, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. You can go back to previous messages, John 3, for instance. The vine dresser, the owner or farmer, that's God the Father. He's responsible for the vineyard. He's responsible for its health, for its production. He, he tills up the ground. He waters. He does everything that's necessary for the, for the uh, vineyard to produce as much fruit as possible. And so those branches that are no longer connected or never were, and again, this is a, you know, not every illustration has every detail and point exactly, because this is talking about a plant and his illustration is for humans. But his point is that if, if the branch is, is not taking nutrients from the vine, he gets rid of it because it's not producing anything. And it could actually do damage to the vine if it sits there and rots. And then he prunes the producing branches. He takes away the things that could cause it to have, Kim calls them suckers. And so, Harold, we need to go out there and trim off the suckers from the tree. And I'm like, I don't see anybody out there. <laughs> um, you know, so now we're out there you know, taking out these little offshoots because it's going to drain energy and nutrients that don't need to go there. They need to go up into the tree. You know? Now, the fruit in context are people who will come to faith in Christ. Again, I get it that there's spiritual, individual, personal, spiritual fruit that the Bible talks about in the New Testament. In context, 13 through 16 is talking about how do we have success in the mission. 15, 16, he says in you, I chose you to go. Well, that would make sense. We go out and see people come to Christ. So what's up with the non-producing branches? Well, the non-producing branches, again, are people who are are branches that are not connected to Jesus. The, the Bible is very clear. Jesus has a parable even, at least one parable, that talks about the fact that in the church, there's going to be people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ who are not really followers of Jesus Christ. One of the reasons why John's writing is so we can do a self-evaluation and say, well, I say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I don't seem to be doing any of these things. Or I'm, I'm really struggling. You know, we have to self-evaluate because I can't tell whether you're a Christian or not. And only you and God know. And so he's saying there are going to be some who are not taking nutrients from Jesus. And there's going to be some, because of that, that they're not responding the way they need to respond, and they're not going to be seeing people come to Christ because they're not really, truly saved. Again, we've talked about this earlier in John, John chapter 3, um, in other places. And so what he does there, what he's saying is, now those individuals, and again, this is a warning, that at the end of time, when they die, or at the end of time, if they've never connected into Jesus, which that's what's different about this, you can't necessarily do that with a dead, a dead branch, but you can do that with a dead spirit, spiritual person, right? And so, if a person turns to Christ, boom, good, they're grafted in. But if they don't, then like those branches that are tossed in the fire, what he's saying is, then you don't have your sins forgiven and you're going to experience the same judgment that the devil is going to experience and you'll spend eternity separated from God 
in hell. And so that's what, again, this is a warning to those to, to not be that person. The producing branch, those are the people who are truly saved. They're connected in with Jesus, but he's going to prune them. And what he's doing there is he's taking away those areas of life that we might get distracted in. It may be sin, it may not be sin. This may be something that may be good or just nothing, but we're getting distracted by it. We're, our energy is going towards that and it needs to go towards producing. And so it's people getting caught up in church stuff um, and you know all the different things that people can get caught up with church and, and, and losing their focus. It's like these people who are so caught up with the Holy Spirit and they think that worship is all about them receiving something that they do something else. But it's not about seeing people come to Christ. It's about them and what happens to them in a worship service. That needs to be pruned off. And so when we spend time with Him and His Word, then the Holy Spirit teaches us and He reminds us and He guides us, then that's going to produce the fruit. You're going to see people coming to Christ. I was going to give you an illustration, but if you want it, come talk to me out in the lobby. So what's the point here? The point is this. Success in a mission requires us to abide in Jesus. Abiding means to remain in, to stay connected to. If you're a true believer, you're going to be, okay? You're going to be connected in. It's like you and I with our cell phones. I don't have mine on me. That's very unusual. I am not abiding in my cell phone. But I bet you most of you do. And you hear it, ding, or you hear it, and you're like, oh, I better check that. No, here, I was talking. <laughs> you know, we abide in our cell phones, and our cell phones abide in us. How do I abide in Christ? John 15, 7, he says, by abiding in his word, in his word. How do you abide in Jesus? How do you stay connected to Jesus? Get into his word. Read it, study it, know it. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will want to do that. You may not do it perfectly. You may have days where you're struggling to do it, but you know in your heart, I need to go do that. Why? Because in your heart, the Holy Spirit's saying, you need to get into, your, into God's word. And then you, you're away from it for a while, and you're like, I feel gross. And, and then you start reading God's word, and all of a sudden, oh, that's what I was missing. Right? So we need to be in it. Believers will be in it. And if they're not, the Holy Spirit's going to be convicting them of it. John 15, 5, by living out his word. He says, show your love for me by obeying me, by, you know, commandments, doing my commandments. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. By, he showed his love for God by being obedient. So we live that out. It comes back to daily time in God's word, having a conversation with him about it, having the Holy Spirit teach us, and we're studying it, and we're listening to it, and we're here on Bible study, we're here on Sunday mornings, and we're just filling in, filling in, filling in, filling in, filling in, filling in. And then when we go out, now we're going to obey him, and now people are going to see a difference in us, and now we're going to be able to give them the gospel, and the Holy Spirit's going to be able to convict them. Not us. Why should I? Here's, here's why, real quickly. One, like, nope, go back. You'll want to. The Holy Spirit's in you. If you're a true, truly a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're not doing it, you're gonna, you're, right now you're probably going, <clears throat> you know. Um, not to means having no spiritual impact. Do you want to know why your spiritual life, and you're looking at Christianity, you kind of, it just doesn't see, yeah, this is all there is? It's because you're probably not in God's word and then living it out. Because I'll guarantee you, you talk to anybody in our church who's doing that, they're not thinking, this is it? 
No, they're in people's lives. They're walking with people. They're going through challenges with people. They're praying for people. They're crying to God to help this person because I don't know what else to do with this person. And then all of a sudden God does something. We're like, oh, that's so cool. And we start talking about what happened to that person. It's awesome. It's what life's all about. To not do that is to not have spiritual life happening. Your non-believing friends need you to. We experience Jesus' promised peace. You want peace? Everyone's searching for peace. Jesus says, I got it. I'll give it to you. Just do it the way I'm saying to do it. Trust me. We'll experience Jesus' promised joy. You want joy? Do it the way Jesus says to do it because he's going to give you his joy. Him. And we experience his power when persecuted. Jesus says, the world hated me and they're going to hate you. There are people in your life who, because you're trying to do life God's way, they're going to make fun of you. They're going to um, rip on you. They're going to insult you. They're going to say lies about you. They're going to reject you. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do it because you're a hypocrite. If you're a hypocrite, then that's a whole different story. I'm talking about you're truly doing life God's way. Look how Jesus ends John 16. These things are already spoken to you. Why? So that in me you may have peace. Why? Because in the world you're going to have tribulation. That means to be oppressed by people. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to be oppressed. But take courage. I have overcome the world. And if he's overcome the world, we have overcome the world. Why? Because he has and we are in Christ. We are connected into the vine. And all that oppression, all the stuff that they did to Jesus, that brought us salvation. Now all that stuff is done to us, we get to bring salvation to people. The message, we don't save them. God, the Holy Spirit, will convict them. So the takeaway is pretty clear. Commit to having success in the mission by abiding in Jesus through daily time with him and his word, living it out in your life, and seeing people in your life come to Christ. Go ahead and stand and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father.